Hi, I'm your host, Veronica Thompson, and welcome back to Above the Mean, a podcast about individuals actively pursuing their passions and pushing themselves to be better than the standard in order to stand out. Welcome back. You know, I took a little brief intermission to go on my vacation, and it was amazing. I met a lot of cool people and really just kind of soaked up the sun Definitely got some much-needed R&R, so I'm really thankful for that. Today's episode really helped me to tap back in to my inner artist. My guest is truly an inspiration, and he is the definition of what it means to be above the mean. Not only is he pursuing his passion, but he's also actively giving back to the community and leaving his mark on the world. So let's jump right in. Today, I'm joined by Richard Samuel, a painter and owner of Rich's Art Gallery, a Black-owned creative space that aims to redefine American history. Not to mention, it is the only Black-owned art gallery in Austin, Texas. Richard, thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. No, thank you. This is an honor. I appreciate the invite. No, for sure. I really loved how we met because I know we met at your two-two-two extravaganza, and I actually talked about it on my last podcast. Okay, nice. (laughs) Let's go. Just kind of about like how like it was so funny because my mom, the day before your event, had sent me an article about your art gallery and was like you should ask this guy to be on your podcast and I was like okay yeah like I didn't even really read the article because I was kind of in a hurry and I was just like yeah whatever but I'd already told Savannah that I was going to go to her event and then it just so happened to turn Same out to place. be yeah and I was just like what are the odds that's literally <laughs> divine literally that's like <laughs> destiny working destiny working at its finest there we go there <laughs> we go things work out when they're supposed to exactly exactly and so Richard I know that you are a multifaceted individual like myself <laughs> and I'd love for our audience to get to know you a little bit better I know that you're actually kind of like an Austinite, which is kind of rare to find i feel like yeah. nowadays yeah it's definitely kind of the best way to go about that kind of Austinite. Uh, <laughs> i grew up in wimberley wimberley okay so it's like not too far no nah, it's a little country town right outside of austin but i've been in and doing things in austin my entire life so you know it's kind of like a hometown okay born and raised i was actually born here in austin wow but you're then... a unicorn <laughs> But I moved to New York, so I don't really claim it like that. How old were you when you left? I was like six. Okay. So I was like, I don't know. It's like on the cusp. Of yeah, like, I mean, you could claim it, though. You can eh, still claim it. We're not going to claim this heat. <laughs> Shoot, I, I don't want to claim the cold. <laughs> so bad in cold weather. I'm such a little girl. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I'm so bad in hot weather. See, it's opposite. <laughs> But I know that growing up in Austin, I'm really curious, growing up, were you always a creative person? Yeah, I, um, I've i always had a crazy desire to create things with my hands, um, whether it was building things or drawing things, painting things. Uh, it was always kind of like a um, creative release from, you know, playing sports and things like that. But yeah. I was always creating something. <laughs> oh, yeah? What was, like, your favorite thing? Were you more of, like, a drawer, a painter back in the day? or Started drawing uh, comic book characters. I'm a huge con- comic book connoisseur. Ooh, okay. Uh, so I used to draw my own comic books and, you know, Spider-Man and Black Panther and, 
you know, DC characters as well. Just everything I can get my hands on. Anime. <laughs> no, that's but, dope. That's dope. I, as my fans know, I'm actually a big anime fan. I okay. love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of an old school anime. I haven't got into the new ones, uh, mainly because I don't want to go down another rabbit hole. I don't have time Ooh. for another rabbit hole right now. And I was like, I can't, I can't watch a new show. Cause <laughs> oh my god, yes, I under, I one thousand percent agree with you. Because once you start a show, it's like you gotta commit at least a good like solid month or week yeah. just binging it. I'll be at the gallery like introducing somebody or explaining art, and I'm gonna be thinking about that dang anime. <laughs> so I'm like, just I like can't. in the back of your mind. Right. <laughs> I want to jump right in. I know that you talked about art and sports, mm -hmm. and so that you were actually once, uh, for our, our listeners, you were actually once a professional athlete. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your time during that and how you decided to put down the football and cleats and yeah. pick up the art brish? Man, art and, and football have ran hand in hand with me my entire life. It's weird now, just to kind of preface a little bit, um, when I was younger playing sports, art was kind of the release. I'd go home, you know, lock the door, you know, paint or draw, do something, get that creativity out. Uh, now that like art is my full time gig, me playing like intramural, intramural sports and stuff, like going to play on my flag football leagues during the weekend or, or you know, after hours for the gallery, it, that's my release. So they okay. they always run hand in hand. So it's kind of like flip-flop now exactly exactly Wait, that's really cool but the the whole ideology like how i have the gallery and everything um <clears throat> so i was actually last year i accepted a coaching job uh to be an offensive coordinator and uh for to go overseas i retired i was taking a break from football for like a year and i was like all right i'm finally back um opened up the applications to start accepting football jobs got one i was gonna be officer coordinator at 32 which is great Ooh. and i'm actually you know when i got hired i'm installing playbooks and schemes and recruiting players um and of course my art suffering because you're going all in yeah on football. football's coaching's a 24-hour gig and i was so so unhappy and i couldn't figure out why like I was in unhappy in the meetings and things like that. I'm like, Rich, your entire life you've thought of yourself as a football player. Like you have everything you've done has brought you to this moment. All the knowledge you have, this is what you need to be doing. This is that. And I couldn't figure out why I was still unhappy. And then one day I was like, maybe I don't want to do football. And I had to admit that to myself because it was almost like part of my heart kind of broke. And I was like, you played for 22 years. Maybe you can do art now, like just take a break. Um, maybe even it's not the love of your life. Maybe art's the love of your life and football's just been your hobby and you've just been treating it the wrong way your entire life. And uh, as soon as I hit that epiphany, I woke up the next day and I quit my football job. Ooh, straight up. Like you were just like, y'all, I'm out. Yeah, just quit it. And... It was the biggest breath of fresh air I've ever took in my entire life. Um, and kind of how things run hand in hand in life if you if you you just listen to what what you want to do. I uh I got my PPP loan because I had been claiming Rich's art as a business for a while and uh I found the gallery on Craigslist and all this happened within 2 weeks of quitting the job. Of oh, quitting what? the football job and uh so I I got the gallery and like 10 days after I quit the job and it was just like divine 
Like, she was just kind of like everything's like lining up yeah. almost. Yeah, because every the world wanted me to do art, not play f- more football or coach more football. Wait, so. I really love that. I love the fact that you just kind of were like not overthinking it and you were just going to follow basically your heart and your passion of what's going to make me happy. Yeah, yeah. Like not really thinking about anything else, but what can I do to satisfy not only like my creativity, but yeah. my soul inside? Yeah, yeah. I, I do not know how to map it out. So people ask questions like, how do you know? I was like, I know I was happy at one point and then I was hurting and then I realized what was making me happy and I just went with it. And sometimes I honestly think it's just that simple <laughs> as just listening to your body. Like your body will literally tell you what you need to know. Exactly. Facts. Facts. <laughs> and that's so interesting. And so for your football career, because I know it was a big chunk of your life mm-hmm. and you played professionally overseas. But while yeah. doing that, I think I read that you were one of the most highest selling artists in Germany. Is oh, that- yeah. So I um, it was my first year in Germany. Uh, and after one of the games, uh, I did really well. And I was doing an interview with the newspaper. I'm like, Rich, what do you like to do for fun? And I was like, I love to paint. And they were like, you love to paint? What? <laughs> so after the interview, the reporter asked to see some of the art. Um, and I showed him. And I didn't know what he was going to do with it, but he called me later that week and he was like, hey, I talked to the local gallery here in town and told them about you. They want to see your art, too. So I had to go up there and take them the paintings that I've been doing all year long that were just laying in my uh, apartment. And they were like, OK, this is awesome. It was like, if you can get uh, they were like around 30 pictures together, we'll have you a solo exhibition at the end of the season. Oh, and wow. I was like okay (laughs) um and at this point i was literally like selling paintings on facebook for like 30 dollars. i would just paint them i'd put them on facebook somebody would buy them and i'd ship them to america so this was like a major step yeah i was like okay sweet but it ended up being the the i was the highest selling solo artist ever at that gallery and so I was like, hey, man, I might be able to do like, something with this. Right, maybe, maybe I'm not too bad at <laughs> Maybe I got some heat over here. So they call it a vernissage. That's how, that's how it's said in uh, Deutsch. A vernissage. Yeah, it means solo exhibition. Okay. Yeah. And is that kind of what maybe sparked your light to kind of be like, hmm, maybe I do want to focus more yeah. on my art? Yeah, I was like, I want to do this again. Like, <laughs> I want more gallery exhibitions. Let's go. I love that. And so I'm curious as an artist, I remember once someone asked me, what does art mean to you? And I always thought that was such an interesting question because I think one thing that I've always loved about art is that it's so subjective Mm -hmm. and that it's really based on anyone's perspective. It's really geared towards you. Yeah. So I'm curious, what does art mean to you? Art is a physical representation of what you're going through in this world. Um, what everyone's going through. That's why you can go to certain communities, you can go to different countries, and you can look at the art, and it's sometimes, a lot of times it runs similar um, because it's a physical reputation of what the people are going to. And then once you get to a point where you kind of realize that, everything you do in life becomes art to you. Every event you do, how you brush your teeth, like even thinking about me playing football, how I used to move and be agile and how I used to run, like that was an art. Everything was an art because everything was just me expressing myself. Oh, I really like that. So, yeah, that's what that's what art means to me. <laughs> and so what do you think right now your artwork? I know you mainly focus in on watercolors. Yeah. And what kind of style are you doing right now with your art? Um, so right now I'm really into erotic art. 
Uh, I, yeah, I, I've always wanted to do erotic art and I've always viewed it just that whole realm at art, but I was always scared to do so because like I, my football fans, my following that I have right now, they're not going to respond well to it. You know, I don't want to offend anybody. So I just never did it. I don't want to offend nobody. I hate that. I hate thinking that way now. Like I don't want to offend anyone, but I randomly just, uh, started last it was last year yeah it was last year i think i did my first erotic painting in like february of last year and it went viral online and what was it of um it was a it's called flower child but it's a, a woman with a flower in between her legs and it looks like she has her hand in the flower uh so it, it's it's subjective because it doesn't show anything and it looks nice but if you know what it is you're like okay I, that's very sexual. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it went viral and uh, on TikTok, actually. And oh, my gosh, you got to love TikTok. <laughs> it was it was nuts. Like my TikTok went from like two. I had like 52 videos on there. I was just beating my head against the wall on TikTok trying to trying to blow up like the artists on there. And uh, that one hit and I went from 200 followers to 30,000 followers in like a week Oof. and almost almost 500 orders went through my website in a matter of 10 days damn it was nuts and i had i have prints all the way from uh 15 to 300 on there in different sizes and just all of them in in that 10 days it was almost like 18 grand of money that went through my account or my went through my website revenue that went through my website and was it mainly like your erotic art that was selling the most yeah so it was mainly just the erotic art but that attention, like people going to the website and shopping through, they were buying other prints as well. Mm-hmm. It um, just kind of helped gear them towards your page. Exactly. Kinda, oh, okay. it, it took them to the landing page and it, it, it was absolutely wild. I feel like that's one good thing I will say about TikTok is that it is really helping like small business owners and like creatives and artists like yeah. yourself like get a name for themselves and really help them to expand their audience. Yeah, there's something with the, with the UX design or just the... Um, the culture built on TikTok, for some reason, the interaction between the consumer and the person who created the creator, people on TikTok ask you how to buy it. Like they comment on your post and like, how do I buy this? Where do I buy it? And like on Instagram, they comment, they tell you it's beautiful. But for some reason, people treat TikTok like an Etsy or- Yeah, like almost like another e-commerce. Exactly, exactly. And it is, yeah, that is interesting because I, I feel like why. it's really made that progression because I feel like before everyone knew TikTok is just like, you know, like that silly little dancing app. Yeah. And now it's like, I feel like a lot of people will get like their news, like information, like yep. so much from TikTok. It's really become like a mecca of its own. Yeah. They teach you, teach you stocks and NFTs and everything on there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And so I was actually listening to an interview where you talked about your process with painting water, watercolors. Mm-hmm. And you kind of said how people often fail because they get too into their heads and they try to make like that first layer really perfect. Yep. And by doing that, they're inevitably failing. And I was kind of like, wow, you could really apply that to real life as well. Yeah. Like people try so hard to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, it inevitably causes a disservice to themselves because it makes them afraid to fail. Yeah, exactly. Because if you try to be so perfect and then you fail, people lose confidence in that. Exactly. So quickly. Um, and and laying the first step of a watercolor is is laying a foundation. And if you've ever watched an actual like concrete foundation being laid, it's never perfect on the first try. 
Like they have to lay the they shoot the the concrete when it hits the frame is never perfect. They have to pack it. They have to smooth it. There's always concrete left over somewhere. It's never perfect, but a one that's done properly makes your building stronger. So mm, I really like that. Yeah. I wanted to follow up with that by just saying like, how do you? I feel like get into the type of mindset or like how do you free your mind so that you're not letting like those negativities or there like those doubts like how you said about people with your erotic art like you were afraid that people weren't going to connect with it or resonate with it but how were you able to disconnect and disassociate so that you were able to kind of clear your mind and focus in on yeah. what it was that you really wanted well, at the base, you know, doing art is is kind of like being free. It should be like a release. You're doing what you want to do. Um, you know, it, it should be a positive thing for you. So, therefore, if like, and once you get into a mindset where um, you don't really care what you, you don't really care what they think, or even better, you fall in love with your own mistakes. Ooh, I like and, that. And art becomes so much easier to make and do because you're not questioning, did I do this right? You're accepting it that's how I work the brush that's how I feel about things this is how I express myself um and this is my style and it's so much easier to do art after that I really like how you stress the fact where you say I where you're really trying to make it a very like what's the word just individual yeah, yeah yeah like a personal yeah, process yeah yeah exactly yeah it's um I mean it is and and every every process is different that's what that's a hard thing with like um coaching artists almost is everyone's process of how they get to the proper way to the I wouldn't say the proper way or how they want to express themselves is going to be different that is true and I think that's the beautiful thing about people is that we're meant to be different yeah that's the beauty of it so one thing that I definitely did want to dive in and talk about with you was the gentrification that's happening in East Austin with homes and businesses disappearing to make way for newer properties. The population of black and Latino residents and entrepreneurs that once occupied that great and historic area Mm -hmm. is being slowly driven out. And so what are your thoughts about the gentrification happening in East Austin? Because I'm curious to know. Well, yeah, it, it's, it sucks. I mean, it happens in, in a lot of cities. Uh, and unfortunately, you, you would like to think it happens the right way, like businesses are coming in and buying people's property from them and things like that. But a lot of times it's just coding people out of houses and displacing them or giving them uh, money severely less than what they can get, but they're not educated enough to happen, which is it's extremely unfortunate. And, you know, the culture loses identity as those people leave, like the old law writer car shows and things things that would happen in in East Austin and all the bike rallies and things like that don't really happen anymore. A lot of times neighbors complain about, you know, sound ordinances and things like that. So the the identity of East Austin has changed dramatically. I really think it's up to like the young minorities to 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 make a stake and and, and get in there. It's going to be hard, but to try to preserve some of that culture. Do you so, think that's kind of why you decided to have or open your gallery there in that particular space? So that's that runs again with fate. Uh, like I said, I, you know, I found it on Craigslist and things like that. Uh, and it was extremely sketchy, even like how I found (laughs) it. It was the most sketchy Craigslist ad ever. Uh, but there was like 10 of them on there. Oh yeah. It was weird. I was like, why does this guy just have 
a ton of units he's trying to so he was like really heavily pushing for it yeah because most of them were empty after quarantine um so i called him and, and met with him and yeah it was super easy it, normally there's background checks and there's all kinds of different uh legal things that you have to do with commercial real estate and you know things like that uh like triple net and things like that but um i uh he just wanted first and last month's rent no background check nothing and i was like okay this is this is I'm supposed to be here. (laughs) Right. Um, And opening the gallery, I didn't find out I was the only black owned gallery until a month and a half after I had it. Uh, I opened it completely on individual artistic aspirations. I wanted to host my watercolor classes that I had been teaching for two years all over the state. I wanted a space to hold them so I didn't have to pay out of pocket for venues. Um, I wanted a really cool space to do my work and I wanted to host jazz nights. That was really what I was going for um and then finding that out completely realigned my goals as an artist where it wasn't about me or what I wanted anymore it was more about what I could do for the community and what I could do for Austin um and coupled with the gentrification it was like Rich you have to help out now (laughs) 1000 percent because I feel like having the only black owned art gallery in austin let alone being one of three black owned art gallery owners in the state of texas yeah like when i found that out i was blown away like yeah. do you know how big texas is it's like huge. one of the only states to have two times yeah zones, and you're telling me we only have three black owned art galleries in the entire state I, I think it's four now but yeah at the time when i opened it it was like yeah. that's insane and so like i definitely see like a bit of a double-edged sword like on one hand, it's amazing to be like pioneering the way for like other black artists and black creatives to like yeah. open up this space and give them a platform and place to be. Yeah. But at the same time, it almost comes with a kind of weight, like a big responsibility. Yeah. I I don't even view it as a responsibility. I I view it as like an, an honor. It's almost like a, a blessing. You know what I mean? You, yeah. That's your goals when you wake up in the morning. It's so it's like makes you feel good about yourself so yeah i definitely feel that and then now that because you found this information out how are you working to encourage more creatives and art artists of color to kind of step up and continue to carve out a space for themselves just given my story and and teaching them uh, a great way to be an entrepreneur uh, i think that's the base of it you know uh letting them know you know about tax information or or getting a tax person and things like that or how to diversify or you know things like that how to make yourself a more stable entrepreneur and i think they'll find their own way to be a creative once that's established you know what i mean now i'm sure opening your own gallery came with a great deal of obstacles can you share some of those like unexpected things that happen or like some things that you wish you had known yeah uh where do i start uh (laughs) it has been super challenging um first i want to say that one of the better things that i did with the gallery is learning how to roll with the punches and like kind of adapt to the community Mm -hmm. um that has been so successful for the gallery um i would say obstacles (sighs) i don't think i've had too many big obstacles i mean it's expensive having a spot downtown Austin. Oh, I can only you know? imagine. So yeah, with inflation that, rising. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest obstacle. Um, 
time management has been huge, especially because I was running everything um, by myself. Mm-hmm. So learning how to do that time management was great. And uh, stress. Uh, it can be so stressful. And learning how to properly kind of digest that stress or release that stress will be huge because opening a brick and mortar, it's going to be like that for a while. Yeah. You kind of know what you're getting into. Um, so you have to learn how to deal with that stress so you can survive the, you know, those first that first year or whatever so you can hire help and things like that. But, um, yeah, time management is huge. And so what's some things that you did to kind of like help you get better at those aspects? Um, <laughs> you know, using my calendar and my phone, <laughs> that was huge. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a true artist. So it was like, you know, writing things down in notebooks and just going with the fly or even trusting people at their word and things like that. Um, that doesn't really fly in business. You know what I mean? Uh, so a great obstacle was learning not to be the nice guy um and establishing boundaries with businesses and things that you're doing um deals with uh because that is because people will take advantage of you really quick oh that's really interesting yeah. that you said that yeah 100 percent. it's and you don't want it to be like that and so you assume people feel the same way you do mm-hmm. and it's not so like if you don't establish those boundaries and and have those contracts or you know exchange you know financial things properly it becomes uh it becomes obstacles it becomes weird so huh i mean i definitely get that coming from like i don't know if i told you this but i was initially an art major at ut okay so i definitely all my extensive background uh or my foundation lies within art okay and so i very much have that artist mentality of like everything's gonna work out right. just very free like you're <laughs> nice like yeah. you're just kind of like easy going yeah and since working in this corporate job you kind of have to be more on top of things but i definitely get where you're coming from with the whole it's a it's a shift of a mindset mm-hmm. and i feel like that's one thing i've had to learn where it's just like there's a time and a place to let my creativity be and yeah. let my free thinking personality yeah. be. Yeah. And then there's a time and a place where I got to be about my business. Exactly. And if you want to be successful in an art world as a creative, as an entrepreneur, you got to learn how to do both. Yeah. You got to kind of code yeah. switch a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. What words of wisdom do you have for other entrepreneurs who might be interested and having a physical presence or business oh my favorite one if you're gonna open a business diversify where your incomes come from Ooh, okay like have multiple streams exactly of um I, and it's something i kind of always thought because most millionaires have multiple different streams of income um but i opened the gallery and i had seven different incomes i was already doing with rich's art Ooh, okay. so any income that actually came from the gallery as far as like um events uh art selling off the wall you know things like that people renting the gallery that was a plus because i knew that having the seven different income streams with just my art brand riches art would pay for the gallery mm. um and that has completely saved me because a lot of times when one income isn't working mm. it just the way the world works the income comes from other different streams if you've already established those to be open you know what i mean so, yeah like it kind of fluctuates so it kind of helps to have like a few safety nets yeah 100 percent. and you don't even have to view them as safety nets you can view them as you know incomes and revenue streams uh 
but you know so what other revenue streams do you have because i know i just saw that you just recently kind of started your own clothing line or like clothing company i i so i had been doing clothes for like two years now two and a half years i uh you know i bought the cricket and started (laughs) doing things with the cricket and bought a little heat press that i was using in my spare bedroom in my house uh i had been wanting to make my own clothing for a long time um but going through all that super print bros is the uh custom clothing business that we have okay at the gallery now i love it represent you gotta wear your apparel yeah, i you love know, that it's old school old school mario logo we took and just called it super print bros it's me and my best friend uh, but um yeah we had been doing clothes for a while and then we finally had the space and we had been flirting with the idea of getting a direct garment machine and uh he had been doing well at his job uh, i had just got the gallery so we were like let's go to a printing convention and see if we can find a machine and we did uh so now the you know well, we found the direct garment installed it and it became a custom actual custom clothing business that we have in the gallery we print artist clothing and custom designs and things like that so i really love i feel like just from listening to you talk about just like kind of your pathway and your journey i feel like one thing that i'm really noticing is that nothing you've done has been planned like it's all very much just kind of like letting chances and things kind of either fall into place or like it's it's one of those things where i always tell somebody if they want to start something just just start you Mm -hmm. know It, it doesn't have to be a plan for it to be absolutely amazing but you know, say you want to make your own jackets, make your own jackets. Eventually, you making your own jackets might lead to you making a lot of jackets for a lot of other people. You know what I mean? But you don't have to necessarily think of it that way. Just do what makes you happy. Yeah, because just by doing, you're already taking a step in the right direction. Exactly. Exactly. I think when I I want to I, I need to readjust and like and count how many revenue streams it is now. But I think when I started the gallery, it was seven. Mm-hmm. Um. I was a graphic design artist, which I took a course online and got a degree. Um, and YouTube can teach you everything. So I started designing people's logos, and, and now I have this huge portfolio. Um, but I had my watercolor art, which I had commissions and stuff for that. Um, I went to local stores, especially comic book stores, and were like, hey, can I put my art in here? So I would put prints. I, had, I have prints in like three different stores uh, across Austin, San Marcos, and in, 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 uh, San Antonio. So that was another revenue stream that I used to just drive to each store one day oh, and pick dope. up the money for it and replace the prints. Um, I did the custom clothing. Uh, actually, I have no like art training whatsoever, um, but I did. my mom did enroll me in a class in high school. There was a, war- a watercolor artist that came to Wembley by the name, name of Leon Kwan Zin. Mm. He had a week-long workshop, super expensive. Uh, and my mom asked the high school, I didn't even know. She was like, can you let Richard out to go to this workshop? And the high school already knew I did art because I was drawing in class <laughs> all the time. Uh, and uh, they, yeah, they let me out. And I learned how to do most of you know the foundation for watercolors from that class for that week. And that that's how I love to do, you know, got into the watercolor world and ended up loving doing it. Um, so you had no formal training whatsoever? Mm-mm. Wait. None. Like still to this day? No. Yeah, I've taught myself everything. 
I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really good listener. So like I pay attention to people and then I'm like, okay, YouTube it. <laughs> this is just another great example of, all right, kids, I'm just going to say not that college is not important, yeah. but <laughs> if you have a dream and you have the determination, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. do it. Yeah. Wait, I love that. College is amazing for the experiences and the connections you get from it you learn how to be a human in college a thousand percent yeah you do get knowledge there you know there's things that i learned from college especially going to hbcu at texas southern i learned more about my own culture there than i did growing up um which was huge um but co college is also not for everyone i definitely so. agree with that statement i feel like you need to evaluate and know you need to have a good understanding of what works for you and what type of learner that you are. Yeah. For instance, like I know that I'm a visual learner. So sitting and listening to people talk doesn't really do much for me. But if I'm no. actually physically doing it, yeah. then I'll be able to pick it up and exactly. I'll actually be able to like retain that information. Yeah. yeah. Or show me how to do it. Like literally do it on the board and I'm like, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> But if I read it in a book, I don't retain it half the time. No. I feel like, I wonder if that's just an artist thing or... Probably. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I feel like you being a visual learner kind of makes you an artist because you, you're constantly seeing things in the world and learning how to structure them. Visual artist, anyway. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you on that. So... I feel like yeah. that's more my, I forget, what is it? Your right brain or your left brain? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't know which hemisphere or any of that is <laughs> part of either. It's up there somewhere, though. One thing that I wanted to ask is, I know with your Riches Art Gallery, you strive to create a safe space for artists of color. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a time when you didn't feel seen as an artist, when you didn't feel safe or seen as an artist of color? Um... I wouldn't say not seen. I, it's a unique experience for me because I've kind of my football career has kind of developed my art career. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people were interested into anything that I was doing or saying because I was, you know, a star football player. So, I, I you know, I never had the the experience where people didn't really pay attention or like my art, especially for because of my race. But I have been in a lot of situations where I've realized that these people are the people that I'm around are not going to like my art. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, you know, that happens. I feel like that happens with everyone, but yeah, it's important, especially, you know, if we're not owning the spaces, we're not owning the contemporary galleries and, and things like that and trying to put our art in, uh, communities or spaces that the people don't really appreciate where that that energy is coming from like I said art is a physical representation of what you're going through and if people can't resonate with that you know they're probably not willing to pay full price for a piece yeah you know what I mean so um yeah that is that's I've, I've definitely been in those spaces before and and having my gallery and having the community shop there you know minority artists can can have a piece that connects with somebody that's that's shopping there yeah i mean i loved going to your gallery and just when i went for that event and i saw all the works of art it just blew my mind one just because of the diversity and the variety within each piece but i could really see or really feel i guess each artist's like not intention but just kind of like their emotion behind each yeah. piece yeah and that's extremely important to me too uh one because contemporary artists uh, con contemporary galleries artists don't really feel 
the best towards them. You know, artists are uh, most most artists aren't that comfortable in contemporary galleries because it's so structured. Um, you have to be political and talk to people. You don't know how to eat the cheese or what kind of <laughs> wine it is. Like it's it doesn't feel as comfortable as painting in your studio. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they also take 50-50 splits in most spots, you know? And I, me personally looked at that like, well, if I can bring you my art and you double the price and sell it, why can't I just double the price and sell it myself? Yeah. You know? Um, so I wanted to make a space where my fees are super generous for the artist, but it also feels comfortable to where you can come in, sit down, enjoy the art, process the art, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to worry about ruining the floor and, and things like that. You can just come be in the art you know and that comfortability is kind of what set my gallery what is setting my gallery apart right now oh 1000 because like how you said i really like the fact that you're incorporating so many different things like you're an art gallery first and foremost but you also do like jazz nights yeah. and you do comedy shows yeah. and like you're really creating a space for the community to come and just kind of have like a very freeing yeah. place to yeah. be and just kind of be themselves and i love that you're saying that and, th <laughs> and that like again that was not my business plan that was just kind of something that i realized was a niche and or something that the community needed and just kind of rolled with it yeah and i love how it feels right now <sighs> that's good as you should you should be basking in it <laughs> um one last thing that I wanted to talk about was lately I've seen a lot of black art prominently displayed in popular shows mm -hmm. like Bel Air. Even I was watching the Sex and the City reboot and they were talking about uh, Deborah Roberts pieces and things like that. And I was wondering, does this mean or what does this say about opportunities for black artists? Do you see this as like a turning point for black art or is it just kind of a trend? Oh, I think it's huge. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a turning point. I, I feel like the black community in general is kind of getting back to the ideology of of like the 60s and the 70s, where it was about building those communities and supporting each other and building equity um, and things like I feel like we lost sight of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, close to the turn of the century and things like that. But we're getting back to that ideology and having that ideology makes it a lot easier for people to buy art from people that feel like them, um, which makes artists more successful. And also, we live in this crazy world of social media and the internet, and it is so easy to get your art to a mass audience. You don't oh, necessarily yeah. have to be a starving artist anymore because if you're willing to put in the work and get your art out there, um, not have the fear of failure, you know, things like not be self-conscious, put it out there, go place yourself in places of abundance. And mm, yes. yeah, and I think that's the big thing. I think that's the biggest turn. I agree. I really do. I like how you said that we as a community are starting to like get to that place together as a yeah. whole, which yeah. is really nice. And I agree with that. The fact that we're kind of seeing Everyone always says how, or I've kind of lately been hearing, 2020 was a year in itself, a very hardship, but it also kind of sparked this kind of rebirth of creativity, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, there's like a renaissance almost. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
One last question that I want to ask you before we wrap up is what tips do you have for aspiring artists or creatives that you wish someone would have shared with you? Try to concentrate on your fear of failure and why you feel that way. Um, because that's holding people, that's holding you back. Um, failing is a part of the process and you're gonna have doors shut in your face and if you just learn to go to the next door and just keep trugging life will provide you so many opportunities but it's the fear of failure it's a crutch that keeps people from doing what they want to do you know what i mean um and and that's the biggest thing you have to get over that that and falling in love with your own mistakes especially as a visual artist because um, people will tell you all day, they'll say the prices you're paying, you need to raise your prices, this is too cheap, but they're also not buying it, you know, which creates like this confusion in your head. Um, and then also every artist starts doing their art, chasing other art forms. They see something that they like, they try to replicate it. It just is what it is. Um, and then if you're not replicating it to the standard that you see, you judge that work harshly. But you get to a point where the way you're doing that, those mistakes that you are judging harshly, that's when you realize that that's how I see things. That's how I want to draw things. And just like falling into that is falling in with your, falling in love with your own mistakes makes it so much easier to, to take so much more pride in your art. I really love that. I love that saying that you have or that you keep going back to falling in love with your mistakes. Because I feel like that's a really... One, it's a very challenging thing for people to do because yeah. naturally we're taught that mistakes are bad and that you shouldn't do it. Yeah. But if you shift your mindset into believing that the mistake is only another doorway or pathway to like another journey yeah. or like another perspective, yeah. then you can kind of shift your mindset into thinking of it as a more positive way. Exactly. Exactly. Mindset's everything. Oh, I definitely agree. <laughs> That's something that I'm really actively trying to learn more about and get better at is just shifting my mindset because I I definitely believe I had talked about in my last episode positive delusional, being positive delusional because it's just the way that your mind works is I feel like when you set intentions for yourself and when you set a goal, yeah. if you have this certain... I guess, mindset that you are going to accomplish it without any fear, any negativity, then you're going to get that. But like, I just feel that when you cultivate your mindset to be in a positive way or like shift it from, okay, I'm looking at it this way, but what if I kind of shift it to maybe thinking about it this way yeah. and like looking at it from different perspectives, perspectives, you get different opportunities to kind of try out different things. The world could heed to that right now. Look at things from different perspectives. And maybe, you know, your opinion on something isn't so harsh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I definitely agree. And so, Rich, what does the future hold for you? What projects do you have on oh, the horizon? trying to get some inside information. I mean, <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. But, yes, yes, we are. <laughs> I have... I have a lot of really, really cool things happening. Um, I guess I'll say one of them here first. Uh, we're going to have like the newest, best music venue to hit Austin Ooh. on the block um, that we're about to develop. It's going to be amazing. And I also have a book coming out. So, Ooh, I love that. Yeah. Okay, is it going to be more of a 
like a visual book like with your artwork in it yeah so it's a be a coffee table book it's with all my erotic art and um every one of my erotic paintings will be in there and they're kind of going to be narrated but next to um a short story or a poem from all local artists here in austin oh i love so, that yeah i really really love that oh i can't wait to cop a book <laughs> once it drops yeah. i've recently just kind of gotten into poetry okay nice do you do poetry i don't uh i some of my i will have two poems in the book but um i want to get into it more but we've also been adapting poetry into a lot of the other things that we're doing at the gallery like we have a poetry slam coming up but i also encourage poets to come to our figure drawing classes um because I, I, I thought of this cool way where, you know, say if you do poetry. Are you familiar with figure drawing classes? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you know how there's, like, time slots. You you know, there's a pose for five minutes. There's a pose for two minutes, ten minutes, um, however you will. You can kind of link that to poetry. So if you come there and you talk to the model and see why she's doing it, get a story behind her, um, and every pose, you associate that pose with a word. Say it's tired or aggressive or something like that. And then you use that as a as a starting point to do your poetry. So you have to like, I have to write this poem in two minutes or I have to write this poem in five minutes. And it lets you get out a lot of stuff um, and use some spontaneity and you come up with some genius things. And yeah, it's a cool way to do poetry in a, in a different world. Wait, that sounds so cool. I actually really, really like that because one, I love the fact that you're kind of timing it like having a set time so that it's like you're forcing people to get out of their heads and yeah. it's like you don't have time to like oh should i do this should oh, I do that? yeah no, you just you write go. what you feel yeah it's it's same way as an artist would loosen up their strokes which a lot of times it makes the art more dynamic you know you get to loosen up your thinking and make your poetry more dynamic i love that wow i actually cannot wait to be a part of that <laughs> Richard, thank you so much for coming on my podcast today and just sharing. I had a good time. I hope you had a good time. No, it was awesome. Thank you for having me. For sure. <laughs> and then I'm definitely going to make sure to plug all the links to your yes. gallery and your website. Come support the gallery. Comedy nights, jazz nights, block parties. Um, oh, we have gallery membership that's going to open up for the one year anniversary, too. So become a member. Get on the email list. However you will. Perfect. Yes, definitely always make sure to support local artists and support local businesses. There we go. <laughs> support your community. That's all for today's episode. If you liked it, make sure to comment and subscribe. Go follow our Instagram. I post highlight clips and bonus reels from the podcast. Make sure to tune in next week for the final episode of season one of Above the Mean. My guest will be the lovely Lynette Adkins. You know, we're going to have like a whole little full circle moment. Seems only fair to end with who I started with. We're going to talk about creating healthy mindsets, shifting perceptions, relationships, and so much more. We'll also be answering some Q&A. So if there's something you'd like to ask us or share, definitely feel free to DM us. And as always, remember, don't settle for average. Rise above the mean and stand out.